people told me I couldn't do a lot of things. I feel like I'm the chosen one. Look at this. We created this. This didn't exist before we were here. All we are is proud and passionate. I love Toronto. I love this team. And we're going to the Let's go! Nothing matters but winning. Welcome back to episode 40 of Raps for Weekly. I'm your co-host, Gabe Ocellio, featuring... Featuring? What is this? Hollywood? It's Adam Casucci here. <laughs> All right. So today we are doing another origin story episode. This is our last one. It's been a good ride, guys. The last video, Serge Ibaka one, has pretty much 60 views on it. So thank you all for the support there. And sadly, this series has come to an end. For all you know, maybe we'll start doing other players that have left the Raptors. Or hopefully, if we get some new signings this year, we'll have some more to come. So stay tuned for that. And let us know uh, what videos you would like next. Um, some topics or, uh, or uh, free agency, whatever. Just let us know in the comment section below or DM us. For sure. So Marcus Gasol was born on January 29, 1985, in Barcelona, Spain, where he would be raised during his childhood. In 2001, he moved as a teenager with his parents to a Memphis suburb called Germantown, Tennessee. Gasol played high school basketball at Lausanne Collegiate School in Memphis, where he received his nickname, The Big Burrito. That's got to be one of my favorite nicknames, by the way, in the NBA. <laughs> oh, my God. Mark was named Division II's Mr. Basketball in 2003, following a senior season where he averaged 26 points, 13 rebounds, and 6 blocks per game. Later in 2008, that school would go on to retire Gasol's number 33 jersey. After graduating, Gasol returned to his home country of Spain to play in the Liga ACB for FC Barcelona. After three seasons with Barcelona, Gasol signed with Girona in 2006. Gasol was selected by the Los Angeles Lakers in that's in the 2007 NBA draft and with the 48th overall pick, but he continued to play overseas. And in the 2007, 2008 season, he was named the ACB's most valuable player on February 1st, 2008, his draft rights were traded by the Lakers to the Memphis Grizzlies as part of a trade package that included his older brother, Powell, who was sent from the Grizzlies to the Lakers where we knew he eventually won two championships with Kobe. So obviously it was a good move for him. And then eventually on July 9, 2008, he was actually signed with the Grizzlies and would start playing his NBA career, his first season that year. He set a franchise rookie record for field goal percentage in a season with 53%. That previous record for the franchise was held by Pau Gasol with 51.8% in 2001-2002. He subsequently earned NBA All-Rookie Second Team honors. After averaging 11.9 points and 7.4 rebounds as a rookie, he averaged 14.6 points and 9.3 rebounds in 2009-2010 with a career-best 58% field goal percentage. On to the 2010-2011 season, Gasol averaged 11.7 points, 7 rebounds, and a career-high 2.5 assists and 1.68 blocks in 81 games as a starter. He then posted 15 points, 11.2 rebounds, 2.2 assists, and 2.2 blocks and helped leading the Grizzlies through a 13-game run in the 2011 NBA playoffs. Memphis, which had never even won a playoff game before, defeated the Western Conference top-seeded San Antonio Spurs in the opening round, then went to a deciding seventh game against Oklahoma City Thunder, surprisingly. They did lose that round, though, which was the conference semifinals. But to sum up the beginning years, we have um, one fact here from Marcus Gasol. Gasol led the Grizzlies in field goal accuracy and block shots in each of the first three NBA seasons. On the 14th of December, 2011, Gasol resigned with the Grizzlies to a four-year, $58 million contract. A month later, he was named Western Conference Player of the Week for games played between the 16th to 22nd of January. 
Then on February 9th, 2012, he was named an NBA All-Star for the very first time, earning a place on the Western Conference roster as a reserve. In the 2012-2013 season, Gasol was one of only six players to average at least 1.5 blocks and 1.0 steals. He led a Grizzlies defense that allowed a league-low 88.7 points per game during the regular season, and his plus 5.4 score differential ranked second among NBA centers, and for Memphis, had a plus 7.5 score differential when Gasol was on the court compared to negative 3.9 when he was on the bench. For these very reasons, in April 2013, he was named the NBA Defensive Player of the Year, becoming the first player in Grizzlies history to earn the honor. We talked about this the last Origin Story episode. He did beat Serge Ibaka and LeBron James. And the Grizzlies' ability to force turnovers with Gasol on the court anchoring that defense was a quality admired by many NBA analysts. Mark was named to the All-NBA second team too that year because of this, but surprisingly he didn't get the first team considering he won the actual award. Um, apparently it was due to a different voting system, but I don't really know what excuse that is. And I know LeBron James thought he got snubbed that year for, def- for Defensive Player of the Year, and maybe that was part of the reasoning was how did he end up on the second team and still win the, the trophy. Uh, LeBron also said that he was very mad he never got one in his career considering his ability to guard the one through five positions because of his strength. That season was the closest Mark ever got to the NBA Finals as they made it to the Western Conference Finals, but were soon uh, swept by the soon-to-be runner-up San Antonio Spurs. They did beat the first-seeded Oklahoma City Thunder in five games, though, during the second round. And throughout the playoffs, Gasol averaged 17.2 points, 8.5 rebounds, 3.2 assists, and 2.2 blocks. In the following season, 2013-2014, Gasol played a career-low 59 games, since a left MCL sprain sidelined him for 23 games from late November to early January. And this was a disappointing season for the Grizzlies as they finished 7th in the conference and got out in the first round versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. So clearly OKC wanted their payback from last year. In the 2014-15 season, Saga Sol earned his second NBA All-Star selection. This time as a starter, he was also named to the All-NBA first team for the first time. He averaged a career best at the time, 17.4 points, to go with 7.8 rebounds and 3.8 assists for the 55-win Grizzlies. He set career highs in field goals made and attempted, as well as free throws made and attempted. He was the only player in the league with at least 1,300 points, 600 rebounds, and 300 assists. He averaged 19.7 points, 10.3 rebounds, and 4.5 assists a game in the playoffs which were his best numbers yet. But he lost in the conference semis to the new powerhouse in the West and eventual champions, the Golden State Warriors. On July 13, 2015, Gasol re-signed with the Grizzlies on a five-year maximum contract worth an estimated $110 million. Based on his play style, I'm surprised it took this long. But on the 20th of November, he recorded his first triple-double with 16 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists in a 96-84 win over the Houston Rockets marking the first triple-double for Memphis since 2007 when his brother Powell got one. Gasol also suffered a broken foot in the second half of the season, which caused him to miss 30 regular season games. On the 5th of December 2016, Gasol recorded his second triple-double with 28 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists in a 110-108 to double overtime win over the New Orleans Pelicans. Then on December 12th, he was named uh, Western Conference Player of the Week, For a second time in his career, on January 25th, 2017, he scored a career-high 42 points in a 101-99 win over the Toronto Raptors. Funny enough, one day later, he was named an NBA All-Star for the third time in his career. 
In December of 2017, Gasol passed 10,000 career points. And on the 26th of January 2018, Gasol recorded his fourth career triple-double with 13 points, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists in a 109-100 loss to the Los Angeles Clippers. In February 2018, Gasol played his 700th career NBA game and made his 689th start, surpassing Mike Conley Jr. for the most games started in franchise history. The Grizzlies did not make the playoffs this year for the first time in eight years after only getting 22 wins. Wow, that's uh, pretty stunning for, uh, for a franchise like the Grizzlies usually make the playoffs. Um, the Souls' averages did drop off a little this regular season as well. In November 2018, Gasol passed Zach Randolph 5,612 to become the Grizzlies' all-time career rebound leader. On the 23rd of January, he recorded his fifth career, uh, career triple-double with 22 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists in a 118-107 to loss to the Charlotte Hornets. His journey with us began on the 7th of February 2019 when he was traded to the Raptors in exchange for C.J. Miles, Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, and a 2024 second-round draft pick. He made his debut for the Raptors two days later, recording seven points and six rebounds in 19 minutes off the bench in a 104-99 to win over the New York Knicks. Gasol soon stepped into the starting center role in Toronto, and his pass-first uh, offensive approach helped the Raptors become the, M- the NBA's top three three-point shooting team over the second half of the season. He moved the ball very well and could stretch the floor more consistently than JV did. This helped the Raptors reach the 2019 NBA Finals that playoffs, especially after dominating Joel Embiid in the second round of the playoffs and Nikola Vucevic in the first round. His post-defense has had a long history of being outstanding, and Embiid admitted to that this year on JJ Redick's podcast. Um, in his first ever NBA Finals game, Gasol scored 20 points and grabbed seven rebounds in a win. He played solidly uh, for the rest of the series also, being probably the tallest player on the court and using his size and IQ to our advantage. After defeating the Golden State Warriors in six games, Mark joined his brother Powell as the first set of brothers to win NBA titles. After this, in late June, Gasol opted, opted in with, uh, with the Toronto Raptors by exercising his $25.6 million player option for the 2019-20 season. On November 25, 2019, despite only scoring three points, Gasol had his best game of the season, with six rebounds and nine assists while holding Joel Embiid scoreless for the first time in his career in a 101-96 win over the Philadelphia 76ers. His defense was, abso- uh, was obviously superb, and uh, he continues his trend of dominating Joel Embiid, but clearly you can see how his offense has struggled dramatically this season. Gasol has suffered a, a hamstring injury that he got in a game against the Atlanta Hawks and missed many games this season. For his international career in 2006, Gasol was named uh, to the Spain national team for the 2006 FIBA World Championship in Japan as a replacement for NBA draftee Fran Vasquez. Spain went on to win the gold medal in Japan. As well, as well at the 2009 FIBA Eurobasket. He also won silver medals at the 2007 FIBA Eurobasket, the 2008 Summer Olympics, and the 2012 Summer Olympics. He won his second world championship title with the Spanish team at the 2019 FIBA World Championship in China. He also won the gold medal at the 2011 FIBA Eurobasket and bronze medals at the 2013 FIBA Eurobasket and the 2017 FIBA Eurobasket. So a lot of international accomplishments for Mark. 
um, which obviously makes him another decorated big man along with Serge uh, that the Raptors have. Uh, at the 2019 FIBA Basketball World Cup, Gasol won his second World Cup title. Gasol scored 33 points in the semifinal to, to defeat Australia. He scored 14 points, had a team-high seven assists, and t- had two steals and blocked three shots in the final against Argentina. He was named to the World Cup All-Star team along with teammate Ricky Rubio. Gasol became the third player in history to win an NBA championship and, and uh, a World Cup in the same year and the first non-American to win an NBA or WNBA title and either a World Cup or Olympic gold medal in the same year. Yeah, so a little bit about Marcus Allah this season. We've seen that he has struggled dramatically. If we take a look at his averages, he's averaged 7.5 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game, and 0.8 assists, and we'll even give you the blocks, 0.9. So on average here, this has been his lowest uh, scoring season. His passing, yeah. obviously, is still um, you know, quite well for a big man, about average throughout his career. And then rebounding, this is pretty much his worst season as well, tied for that. And obviously, he did miss a lot of games due to injury, plus the season was shortened, and he has been getting less minutes. But we still have noticed you know, a large decline in Marcus Gasol's offensive ability. This was his second worst um, shooting percentage year. And, you know, even... The three ball was about average for his career, but we've noticed a, a dramatic drop off from what from you know Marcus Saul that we once knew at Memphis, and obviously the Marcus Saul we had last year. Uh, he was very dominant uh, on the inside. His post game defensively is really strong, and offensively he could do you know some work as well. This season, it felt like every time tr- every time he tried to post up the ball, it just wasn't falling. Every shot he took felt like it wasn't going in, and even his defense it was you know lackluster at times. I would say more playoffs that was more noticeable um, his defense than the, during the regular season. You saw he had a couple of good performances against Joel Embiid, and even during the regular season he had two games with 17 points, another game with 20 points. But besides that, a lot of games single-digit scoring nights. And I think the playoffs was a um, a different type of problem that we saw um, yeah. from his performance. If you look at the Brooklyn series, the he had 13 points in uh, game one. Game two, zero points, only took two shots. Uh, game three, three points. Game four, nine points. And every game, it's either he took a couple shots or the games that, like, game one, he had four, he went four for eight. Game two, zero for two. Game three, one for seven. And then game four, three for four. So what I've noticed this playoffs is that he has a tendency to shy away from taking shots, uh, especially the three ball. It felt like a lot of his three balls weren't falling this season, especially coming back from injury. Um, he hasn't been playing that good. And I noticed that he was just scared to shoot it. Um, Adam, what do you think he could have done to maybe overcome that fear? Or what do you think maybe is like the root cause of this? Okay, so I think the, the root cause of it, honestly, um, I think the, the, the hiatus did not help him at all. Um, in that time, uh, we all saw him uh, lose a little bit of weight. Yeah. And uh, I felt, I don't know if it affected his shooting, but uh, his presence overall, uh, defending-wise, was... Uh, wasn't as, as good as it was last year. Yeah. And I think it's because that lethargic presence and uh, anchor ability in the paint that Mark demonstrated last year wasn't, wasn't the same this year. And uh, I think that was a lot to do with it. Um, with shooting-wise, um, his confidence, I mean, Mark runs off co- confidence. If you see him yeah. make a three, he'll usually take another one. But if you see him miss a couple, he usually, he usually starts turning them down uh, throughout the game. And I've seen this trend throughout the season. And uh, I think Mark just has to keep shooting. 
honestly. Um, he did try that some games, but uh, it just wasn't falling for him. And uh, that's why he was off the floor, I think, so much. Um, because he was becoming a liability on the floor and he was making it harder for the other four players around him uh, to work their, to work the offensive plays and because he's a liability. He won't be shooting the ball. So the defenders know he won't be shooting so they can, they can lay off of him and worry about a double team or, or something else, right? another action. But um, yeah, Mark was not, uh, was not his best this postseason at all and not this season. Yeah, we saw that he him shying away. What, what we mean by that is sometimes he would get the ball. He likes to play at the top of the three-point line or top of the key area because he's such a pass-first big man. He, does, he like especially last year, did a great job in moving the ball, getting players to cut, and he kind of can create an offense from the top. And what worked last year was that he was also a three-point threat because he was a better shooter than JV. And once in a while, if you left him open on the top, he would punish you with some three balls. This season, because it's been so bad, he hasn't even looked at the three ball. Sometimes he'd get a handoff, he'd receive the ball at the top of the key, and he was just looking around for the pass, not even realizing how much space his defender has gave be, him. Yeah, to, you can't be doing three. that. You can't be doing that. It ruins the whole offensive purpose. Especially and for Nick Nurse. Open, and yeah, and Nurse always says, Gasol, if you're open, shoot it. He wants him to keep on shooting. But he just didn't have confidence in his shot, and that's what, and that's what was the result at the end here. And obviously, I think his style of play, that big, um, dominant, big man, uh, obviously he can pass and he can shoot a little bit, so it was okay, but obviously the shot this year wasn't that good. But I think his style is slowly fading away of that post game. We're seeing a lot more short athletic centers uh, or big men in general. I think you think Harrell, you saw against the Boston, it was Tice. They started that undersized athletic center who yeah. has like the vertical and the strength. So I think Marcus um as the years are going on, is becoming more outdated to the game. And it's hard for, to find a place for him to fit the offense and defense. Um, you saw he tried losing weight during the break, during the hiatus, to lose the weight, get a little bit faster, um, not be as lethargic. But um, I think maybe, like you said, that could have been some of his defensive presence last year was his size, those screens that were big, um, yeah. his strength on the inside. Maybe he lost a little bit of that. And that weight, didn't. it seems like it didn't help him as much as we thought it would or we were hoping it would. And in the Boston series, you see that, you know, he was extremely lethargic and slow him trying to close out the shooters, especially because Boston was pretty much four or five out. All the guys can shoot and then their style, especially moving the ball that fast, driving kicks, open threes in the corner. Mark was kind of just like, you know, dead yeah, space. Tice, there. Tice ate him alive. He ate him alive. He, he just used his foot speed uh, to his advantage. He, he, yeah. he was beating him out on the boards. Yeah, for um, sure. Using his strength, and uh, and that was it. That was it for Mark. I mean, he just didn't have didn't have the the. I think he wanted to win badly, but he just couldn't couldn't give that competitive spirit that he he could have in his younger days. Yeah, it was similar to I guess you know Pascal didn't have a good off season, and he wanted to contribute more as well. So Mark kind of suffered the same thing in this Boston series. He only had ten points. Uh, on game three that night, but every other night he didn't do too well. And we saw game five, he went scoreless uh, in 14 minutes uh, with zero for four shooting. And then for 14 minutes, because he didn't really touch the floor too much because he was playing so bad. And especially um, during the series, we saw that he was continuing to be started uh, by Nick, by Nick nurse and he didn't perform as a starter. And we were all hoping, you know, Serge Ibaka would get the minutes that, Mark got as a starter, but, you know, Serge did end up playing a lot more just off the bench, uh, especially in the, the last three games of the series. 
But we could tell that Marcus Gasol being on the floor was just a problem. When he was there, it was just like we were losing the rebounding game because he wasn't aggressive. Guys were out jumping him like Tice or Brown. He, he wasn't being a defensive presence inside. He was too slow to, you know, contest solid three ball. And on the offense, he wasn't doing too much because his post game hasn't been the best. So he was missing those chances. His three ball hasn't been the best. And all you can really have him for is a passer, but it, it takes away an option. The defenders can now stay off him like Tice, and Tice can now watch those cuts and those open lanes that would normally um, not be filled. And yeah. you saw in game, what was it, game seven, after he missed those couple shots in the first quarter, like those first four, yeah. uh, and he missed that like wide open layup or something, uh, that he was extremely mad at himself. And then he stormed off the court, went back to the locker room, and then second half he came back, made a couple shots, like two shots, I think, and then like some uh, free throws. So, like, he understands that he's not performing well, and he knows that, like, we're all seeing it, too. He knows he can do better, and he's just mad at himself for not being able to help out his team. And, you know, maybe this is just a sign that his age has, like, caught up to him, and this is it for him. Because he is, he's not young, obviously, so he's, he's had his fair amount of careers. So, I think it's fair that, you know, if he needed to step out, this would be an opportunity for him. You know, he, he is, what, approaching 36 now, or he is 36, so... Uh, he has had a long career in the NBA and you can only go for so long. If his body's catching up to him, you know, slowness wise and his shot isn't falling anymore. Um, and now his contract's up unless he's planning to stay for another year or two on a veteran's minimum. I don't see him coming back, which is where I was going to get to next. Adam, what do you see with him for the next season? Uh, for the next season, um, to be honest, I think he's a better fit in the Euro in the Euro league uh, mm-hmm. for his age, especially. Um, it's a much, uh, much more uh, unathletic league, um, much more IQ-based. Yeah. Um, they focus really uh, much more on skill. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think the game is much, just much more slower. Uh, Gabe, I wanted to ask you, why do you think there was such a big downfall um, in his inside scoring and his inside like post-game uh, compared to when he was younger? you think it's age? Do you think it's uh, just he lost his touch, uh, not being uh, the primary scorer here in Toronto, or what is it? Okay, for him, I think maybe it is a little bit due to his age. But usually, you know, age is sometimes uh, an advantage, that veteran experience, especially in the post where things are so um, timed and thought out and each, like, second matters in there. You know, it usually does help people, but I think that um, maybe his strength has worn out over the years. He has gotten slower and... I don't know. It's almost like he got hit with a stroke of really bad luck this year because literally nothing would fall for him. Jumpers, you know, putbacks. Felt like he just couldn't make anything. So I don't know really, you know, what the reason for that is. Uh, maybe it's just a sign his time is up. And moving forward, like you said, EuroLeague could be okay if he wants to have a couple more years playing basketball. but Or maybe a veteran's minimum, just trying to play some bench minutes or just hold the spot in the roster for experience. But we did hear rumors that him and his brother were going to play back in Barcelona. And apparently that is proven to be not true. It's interesting because, you know, Mark's 35, his brother's 40. And I don't think they're going to be, you know, playing too many more years of basketball left, even if they did go to Barcelona to play. Okay. So that plays into my next question. Um, looking at Marcus Gasol's contract at 25.6, the Raptors have three big free agents uh, this offseason, Serge Ibaka, Fred VanVleet, and obviously Marcus Gasol. Yeah. Um, usually, uh, what Masai was saying, he's probably, he can keep probably two out of the three players, um, which most people are siding with Fred and Ibaka yeah. and, and trying to maybe get rid of, or, uh, get rid of basically Marcus Gasol. So, uh, or ship him out somewhere in a trade package. 
Um, what would you, if we did want to keep Marcus Sol, if uh, Masai did want to keep him in his plans and, uh, and seeing him as a part of this team for the future, uh, how much would you be giving this guy? Since it's, it, his contract was, was so, is so high with $25.6 million. It's, it's tough. I, I honestly don't think that he should come back this year. I think that you know he did help us win the championship. He played a huge role that year in orchestrating offense and being a solid yeah. defender. And it was definitely a final piece to help us win it. But I think that it was that one season that he helped us. And now this season we saw that, okay, maybe he lost his touch. Or now that maybe we've lost like the stars like Kawhi and stuff, his role is not as – like it's. we can see more what he brings to the table. And it's clearly not as much as we thought. I don't want to bring him back. If we do have him back, hopefully it's for a veteran's minimum. Or you know something. So that's a big that. downgrade, Gabe. That's like twenty-four million. I know it's a big downgrade, but I do not think it. Like Marcus has to realize himself. I know you're a starter, but you're not worth twenty-five million. You, Adam, you can see the numbers. You see it. He's he yeah. averaged what seven points a game this season, and yeah. that's considering that we play only forty-four yeah. games. The playoffs, he was like literally him being on the floor was just a, a bad effect. It wasn't. It was no advantage to being on the floor. It was just a downgrade. <laughs> you're laughing, but you know it's true. You know, no, it is. It is. Respect to Marcus Sol for last year's play. Yes, he played exceptionally well in, in last year's postseason. But this year, he was just horrific. It, it was. It was sad to see. It was. It was frustrating. Obviously, watching the TV and seeing his slow presence, and I don't know. It just. It wasn't the right fit. He, he's not the right guy for the position anymore. At least. Yeah, you you can't deny it that this season, him being on the floor, when he was on the floor, it, it was just a downgrade to the team. It wasn't helping us. It was actually making it worse. The people were exploiting him, trying to attack him, or he wasn't doing anything on the offensive end that was actually worthwhile. Um, you know, Nick Nurse and those guys try to defend it, how good he is on the floor and his IQ to be able to move the ball and pass, take like a third point guard, they often say. But I don't think it does enough for us. Because when I see him on the floor, I just notice that he's not making shots. And on the other end, he's getting out rebounded or attacked, and he tends to be a liability. He's like I've seen countless plays this off season where he or during the bubble where he was just dropping the ball and rebound stuff that a center shouldn't be doing. Yeah, I mean he's a liability. If I'm the other uh, other team's coach, I'm setting a pick and roll with with uh, a guard and then yep. Marcus Sewell trying yep. to get uh, trying to get a switch, um, so the speed can uh, exploit Mark. And get to the rim, maybe create a two v one, and and they might cause a foul or or, or you score a bucket, right? So yeah. it's so easy to exploit him, and uh, and you, you kind of know his weaknesses just by looking at him, right? Yeah. So I honestly, I don't think he should come back. I don't think it'd be a good fit for him, um, nor for our team. I don't think he can, you know, benefit us too much anymore. So if he does come back, I'm hoping it is like a severe downgrade in his contract because we have to have space to sign. I think Serge. And Freddie, two players that were unbelievable this season, probably two of the best this season, performance-wise, especially in the playoffs, we saw Serge step up a mile. So I think those guys are necessary to re-sign for this team because they fit so well here. So like, if you have to choose who you're going with, I'm prioritizing signing them first, and whatever I have left, I can offer Mark. But that's it. I don't think anything more than that. So yeah, I would I would want to try to get something for Mark in a, in a trade, even a pick, sure. some type of second round, because the Raptors. They, they they know how to pick. They yes. know they know what they're looking for. Uh, they they know what uh, to see in players and if they have that mentality or not. A working hard work ethic. Uh, can shoot the ball, play defense, two way players. They they know what to to scout and look for. Mm-hmm. So even a second round pick would be uh, would be a lot for Mark. Yeah, we we tend to have I guess 
some type of luck in going for second rounders and undrafted players. And it does come to our advantage because, you know, they have turned out well. Pascal, for the most part, was better than expected to be. Fred Van Vliet undrafted. Terrence yeah. Davis undrafted, and he's been playing so well. You know, yeah. Lowry was a late pick, and we eventually signed him to our team and saw what he could be and helped him become the best player possible, uh, becoming an all-star. So even just for trading guys that weren't necessarily the highest that we saw some potential in, we've done a fairly good job at doing that. So I think what you said is right. If we can get something back, it might be worth more value than nothing. But obviously, we'll see what we can get out of it. All right. That's pretty much it. Thank you all for um, coming to this episode, listening to one of our last origin stories for now, hopefully. Um, you can check us out on Instagram at Rapsville for NBA news, Raptors content. We've got a ton of good posts, up-to-date stuff yep. every day. Check us out on YouTube for visuals. And then if you want to listen to the audio versions of this podcast, you can check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please like and subscribe. And yeah, that's us signing out. Peace. Peace.